because at the end of the day, NFTs are the same thing as trading Bitcoin or Ethereum or any fungible token. But you have this sort of third dimensional, almost fourth dimensional aspect of, of having an appreciation for the art piece on the token or maybe the utility of it or the, the, the community value. And, and that's what really drew me out of investing in altcoins and into investing into NFTs, that community aspect. It just can't be understated. Hello, investors. This is Michael with Investorly. At the intersection of financial education and opportunity, we empower you to invest early. In episode 21, we welcome Toby Lasso, an NFT investor and manager. We learn how Toby got started in the space, hear about his project associations, his analysis on the Web3 space, and take questions from the community. The Investorly podcast is brought to you by Dayslice our home for all scheduling, payment, and website solutions in one place. Learn more today and sign up for free at dayslice.com. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Let's just start off with Toby. So Toby, you're the manager of Vinnie Hager, manager, uh, uh, never mind Will. Uh, co-founder of both Letters and Weather Report, obviously a full-time space cowboy, according to your bio, but also I'll throw in a cool cat with a great accent. So it's a lot there. And I know you formally uh, as Crypto Ted Lasso, where I remember the starting point. And just tell us who is Toby Lasso, maybe a little bit of your background and how did you get into just investing? Yeah, for sure. Um, I, uh, I'm i 27. Um, I grew up in England, moved out to America when I was quite young and uh, became a citizen, United States citizen as well, um, which I'm very thankful for. And when I was about 18 years old, I was in, um, I was at university for about four months and, and I just couldn't, couldn't do it. I couldn't pay attention and I just need a little bit more structure in my life. So I actually went back home to England and joined the British Army. I was in the army for seven years um, deployed to uh, a whole bunch of different places uh, and eventually be, finished my, as an officer, which was uh, really nice because when you move to America, you need to have a university degree or equivalent military service. So I managed to skirt the university degree side of things. Um, and yeah, I, I fell into fell into Web3 pretty uh, about two, two and a half years ago. Uh, right when I left the army, I was just sort of looking for something to sink my teeth into <clears throat> and I moved out to California and was sort of surfing and just trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life and very quick zest with blockchain and the technology behind all of it, uh, really above anything else, you know, uh, sort of the free movement of, of money. And, and I, I became obsessed with the 2008 market crash um, and just sort of like alternative ways to invent, uh, you know, human interference in, in in money you know in 2008 we saw a huge 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 um you know mistrust sort of personified uh, and a lot of people lost all of their money uh whether that was in retirement funds or in uh mutual funds or in homes or or, or anything you know and, and a lot of good people who said that they who, who did what they were told to do you know put their money away um put it in you know safe market uh attributes were burnt, um, and there was no financial alternative in 2008 to the US dollar, um, and Bitcoin was created in 2009, and I personally believe that we are due for another massive crash, uh, and hopefully the last one before people start realising that this is a 
appropriate way to hold your money because without borders, without nations, without markets, you can still access your money. And when we have that final run on the banks, uh, I think people will realize that the 21st century version of keeping all your money under your mattress, i.e. Bitcoin, Ethereum, cryptocurrencies, is the way forward. Uh, yeah, fell, then fell very quickly into NFTs at the end of 2020, um, just because I was so interested in blockchain and, and had always been, I come from a, a family of, of art patrons and my mum was a, a, an auctioneer for a while. And so I grew up around a lot of it. And so this uh, was something that was super exciting. And yeah, I started out as crypto Ted Lasso uh, and then slowly became Toby Lasso, uh, more because I probably didn't want to get DCMA'd by Jason Sudeikis. But uh, yeah, and then here we are, you know, and I've got to meet some lovely people along the way and, and especially you, Michael, and I see a lot of my friends in the audience. So just super happy to be here and uh, what seems like a very pivotal moment in human history and art history. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. But uh, uh, Jason Sudeikis seems like a pretty friendly guy, so he might be okay with the, uh, the duplication of the name. <laughs> I hope so. Um, yeah. Uh, Toby, my question for you is, what was your very first initial investment? Uh, and uh, just before that, what, what drew you to investing? Uh, was it the aspect of money? Was it uh, possibly derivatives? Um, what, what drew you into the kind of the fascination of investing in general? Um, my very first NFT investment was actually an investment I went in with my then roommate at the time. Um, and I live bought apes with him. And we then sold them all for point two about a week or two later um, and laughed our way to a two x profit. Um, but it, it initially for me, I was drawn in by the art aspect and a lot of the um, a lot of the photography that was going on with them, the true fine artists that were moving into the space. and then to see the immense amount of money that was being made around communities what was what really drew me in the community aspect, you know, very, very quickly, and I'm sure anyone in the audience can attest uh is that it's almost like a it's almost like a drug you know it's a it's a very powerful one the community aspect you know here over the lot uh, all joined because you know we all have either a predisposition to risk or a predisposition to um you know new technology and so people are always like how is everyone such good friends and it's like well all of us are here probably for roughly the same myriad of reasons um and it just i just got hooked on community i mean i'd never used discord before i'd never used any of these other uh, platforms i had completely wiped all of my social media including my instagram my twitter and everything um and so i all again really joining joining nft space and yeah i mean the money is fantastic and it's crazy you know some some of these profits are just there's, there's so much more of like a, a physical tangible aspect because at the end of the day nfts are the same thing as trading bitcoin or ethereum or any fungible token but you have this sort of third dimensional almost fourth dimensional aspect of of having an appreciation for the art piece on the token or maybe the utility of it or the the, the community value and and that's what really drew me out of investing in altcoins and into investing into NFTs, that community aspect, it just can't be uh, understated. I could be wrong, but I think board apes are a little more than 0.2 ETH now. Uh, maybe. I don't uh, they, 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 they may have two or three X since I sold. I'm not sure. Oh, man, you missed out on a tiny run there. Uh, but <laughs> I wanted to, uh, uh, chronologically, I'm sorry if I'm jumping around here, but uh, you talked about 2008. You were, it's, you were 27 now. You, you were... I assume quite young at, uh, in 2008. And it, that's a, it was a very pivotal time, just like 2020 was a very pivotal time. And 
people found other things uh, to do. They shifted their careers uh, and they realized that uh, the old way of investing, the old way of doing things with your money was eradicated. Uh, paraphrasing what you said there. Um, your teachings of your parents, maybe they taught you about investing and things like that. How did that, how did your mindset shift in 2008, especially at a young age for somebody here, maybe like listening or something like that, uh, that maybe has some money set aside or something. What, what were some of the things that you learned in 2008, 2009, uh, kind of that, um, changing your strategy based on how you, how you grew up and then, uh, from 2008 on. Yeah, it's a really great question. Um, and in, in t- when that all happened in, in 2008, I was a, like a freshman in high school um, and I was lucky enough to grow up in, in Connecticut um, and there was an awful lot of people who had changed their loans uh, in the uh, area where I was, you know, almost like, you know, these the solo mega mansions that people had put absolutely no money down on um, and the banks had, had given them a, a massive extended line of credit. Um, and so I saw very viscer- viscerally at quite a young age, you know, what a bad investment can look like and what potentially being, you know, put down the rabbit hole in, in the wrong way, even through what you consider a, a good financial institution can end up with, you know, a lot of my friends in high school living out of their suitcases with their family, you know, or in the local motel or, or just, just, you know, like losing everything. Um, and it, it definitely steered me away from traditional markets very early on because you know seeing that happen very tangibly at a young age was was quite jarring if I'm being honest you know and it's like okay uh, it, it sort of made me look into it more and realize that you know these are these are volatile investments and as much as people think you know investing in 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 the in in the blue chips and the in uh, fortune 500 companies is is, is a strong move uh you know, it just gave me a massive distrust for the government. And I don't mean that in like a, you know, please tag me the FBI way, but it just, it just, it just made very apparent how, um, how not having control over your own investments is, is, is very quite, is actually quite a poor decision. And, and thinking that putting your money into the stock market in, 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 in some way that seems almost secure, has been secure for the last 30, 40, 50 years, doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to provide returns and dividends. And that's why, um, finding the blockchain and finding decentralization was such a was, was such a massive key to me because I always wanted to be able to invest and grow my money and move uh, move my investments upwards and, and 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 connect with people who were doing the same thing. But I wanted to do it in a way that I had almost full autonomous control over um, because you just can't trust people on Wall Street, in my opinion. <laughs> Perhaps not the right right verbiage for this podcast. I apologize. I now listen, Toby. I um, no, great, great questions to get us going there, Danny. And I, I think that those are some really important and, and pertinent points that you you make uh, when you you know you think about finding the blockchain, uh, the concept of being able to control your money, uh, to grow your money, and the fact that decentralization offers a lot of these concepts that we see uh, inside of the technology. Um, when we think about you know we think about NFTs and we think about the communities and the projects. I just want to back up a second here to think, um, because I know you talked about some of the cryptocurrency specifically, are you still investing in other asset classes outside of NFTs, like into general cryptocurrencies um, as well? Or are you just full on uh, 100% into NFTs at this point? 
I mean, I still have have small bags in in, in various um, cryptocurrencies that I believe will, you know, inevitably change the world, whether that's layer two solutions or, you know, I have a huge bag of, of Harmony One because of their state sharding solution that I think is, is is truly magnificent. And I think that the way they'll they'll then deliver that over the next two to three years will will, will be very key. I do I do, however, think that ETH is one hundred percent. The, the network of of the future for, for certainly for nfts and we've seen that with you know solana integrating now and um people sort of like rallying around the idea that ethereum is the home of uh nfts and and, and contracts smart contracts and stuff like that but uh yeah i do mainly stick out of trading especially day trading uh as altcoins and stuff like that I, I i try to um dollar cost average into the coins that I enjoy and I like whether that's Chainlink or Harmony One or maybe maybe some Zilliqa, but more more Harmony One these days. Um, I think that you know th- th- there's a lot of money to be made from these these coins that pr- that have a, a very strong network of uh, talented human beings working towards creating solution blockchain. Just because the blockchain exists doesn't mean we can't make it um, you know more svelte, less asthmatic, um, and uh, yeah, I think that. You, it would behoove anyone to, to 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 move outside of Ethereum and have a look at have a look at other projects as well. But uh, I, I I will I will remain an NFT Ethereum maxi for sure. Yeah, no, love that because one of the things I was going to ask you is is where you believed other uh, blockchains and NFTs stand. But obviously, the Ethereum uh, as the main player has been quite noticeable to anybody paying attention over the last year or two. Even though that, of course there are NFTs on other uh, blockchains. Anytime we get a mention of Chainlink here on the Investorly podcast, we love that because we're big Chainlink fans. Uh, I was just going to say that, unprovoked Chainlink. Yeah, any, anytime, there, right? <laughs> yeah anytime we can get a Chainlink comment uh, unprovoked, we're really supportive of it. So yeah, we're big fans of Chainlink. Oh, one, one step further on the Chainlink, actually, because um, Vinny is a huge, huge, huge Chainlink fan and he has like he keeps adding to his bag of chain link i mean he'll never he, he doesn't ever talk about it but there's actually a letter called link to marine um and i minted it uh <laughs> it's oh. just a hilarious coincidence so wow. yeah i'm the proud owner of link marines now next time i next time i see or talk to Vinny, i need to bring this up this is incredible and the fact that you own the link marine letter is really like next level we love the idea of truth and, and smart contracts and the uh, evolution of the blockchain and where we can go in cryptocurrencies. But let's focus now on on, on you, Toby, and the idea of the NFTs because obviously you're 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 fully in, as a lot of us are. But there's a lot of people that are. Maybe there's a lot of people that don't know yet, or they they're new and they want to learn how. And you're a perfect example of someone that, you know, just listening to your journey and where we are today, people can learn from. So thinking about NFT communities, and there are many, and the example of someone like you putting yourself out there regularly, what do you say to the new people that are just getting started or, uh, you know, they don't feel like they were as early as others and they're thinking, where do I begin? How do I begin? And, and there, who do I listen to? It's a it's a really great question, and I think that the answer that I try to give always is to just listen intently, but also you know speculatively, because there's a lot of people out there saying a lot of things, and a lot of them are self interested and self motivated, and you know I'm sure they have every right to do and be those things, um, but really just sort of digging into the DYOR or do research of it all is is it's just the absolute founding key because we've seen all too many of our friends come in 
buy into projects without doing adequate research or caring to even understand what the blockchain is or how it works and um it's it, it's it's a super hard thing to, to to sort of capture because you're you invite people in or people come into the space and they have this overwhelming wave of excitement you know they're like this is a game changer this is the um and that bottled up enthusiasm needs to be curated and looked after because it can lead you very quickly down the wrong path and the number one bit of advice that i always give is that nft projects come and go floors change they go up and down if you're joining the space please 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 join the space for a month before you buy anything um, and that's a super 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 hard thing to ask someone to do because all anyone wants to do is get involved in something um, but anytime my friend comes to advice and they're like oh, i want to get into nfts you seem like you're doing well i say you know put some money aside and get it in eth and don't put it in your metamask yet you know get involved in nft twitter and have a piece of paper next to your desk and write what things you would invest in at what price and you have your theoretical ETH balance next to the NFTs and you just watch it for a month you go okay I would have bought this at point one let's see where this goes in the next month I would have bought this and I'm spending ETH and I'm selling and I'm buying and I'm selling and I do it all just on paper for the first month because I guarantee you 50 60 70 percent of those projects that you bought into will lose money or they'll end up being a massive red flag and a rug and you will have saved that money but earned the experience of trading you know without actually trading the things that you were doing um and it's it's no one ever manages to follow it for more than a week and a half or two weeks um but it definitely helps sort of curtail that initial um excitement and and a need for being involved because that will just unfortunately for a lot of people lead people to losing quite a lot of their money and that's what we want to avoid we want to teach people bring people on um teach them how to navigate the wild west this space can be sometimes but also um be protective of their money and learn those hard lessons on paper before they learn them with the hard-earned cash well that is amazing sound advice uh because the biggest uh the biggest way you can learn as an investor or trader is initially you lose and so if you can do that with imaginary money instead of actual hard-earned money, that's definitely the way to go. And <laughs> when I was learning how to day trade, uh, we were giving, given allocations of kind of fake uh, funds. So I, I fully agree with you on that one, Toby. Uh, because we're kind of in the wild, 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 wild west here when it comes to NFTs, we're still in the infancy. Um, most of it is art. We're, we're definitely getting into to music and real estate and uh even production and, and different things like that as far as the NFT space, but it's primarily art. And so what do you see as kind of the catalyst that makes a, a project good or makes a project decent or makes it uh, that it's going to be a project that may, because uh, it's so speculative still, may stay around longer, uh, may go by the wayside. Uh, what are some of the catalysts you look for uh, to maybe help some of the new investors out there? Yeah, great question, Danny. Um, I think whenever I'm looking at a project now, I immediately the first thing that I look at is volume if I'm getting into it after um, after mint I think volume is a metric that people often overlook um, and if you look at something like Azuki I think Azuki is, is one of the best models to look at for the last few months um, because of its sort of meteoric rise um, we, we've been sort of trading NFTs for over a year now and what they did was they put together they run it like a like a supreme business you know they they have targets and dates and releases and 
um, you know, full social teams and all those other things. They've managed to sort of strip everything down from the from the bare bones and then just sort of add meat to it throughout the release. Um, and it's and the market has responded extremely well to it. And anyone who was looking at Azuki back in could see the supreme amount of volume going through it back when it was 0.5, when it was one, when it was two, when it was three ETH, there was an exorbitant amount of volume going through this project. And that should be a telltale sign to anyone that obviously this is at the forefront of people's minds. This is a tradable asset. This is something that a lot will have their eyes on. Now there's always, um, you know, a, a bunch of different parts to it. And that's on a, on a higher level, you know, on, on a scale for people who can invest sort of five plus ETH. Um, on, on, on a lower scale thing for me I'm always tapped in with how the community is moving and that's not you know can we all go and comment under Gary V's post and make sure that they see this project because that is you know inflationary tactics that only serve to um, end up as exit liquidity um, it's more about you know are these real people um, they don't necessarily have to be doxxed in my opinion but are these real people with credible sources um, are they uh, people who've who've inspired a community to start creating things themselves. That's another huge metric for me. It's like, is this a community that has people who, like like I look at the Doodles community, I look at people like Juicy Jew in the Doodles community who like goes out of her way to create different backgrounds for people, whether that's underwater Doodles or whatever, you know, she's there every day tapping in with that community, creating in real life value for no other reason other than she just loves that project. And there's people like Juicy and, every single community that is trying to grow. And I think that understanding metrics, understanding uh, that NFTs are actually move in charts like tokens move in charts. If you can understand that there's a run-off, a run-up, a blow-off top, a move down to a consolidation period for uh, for, for a, a feasible amount of time to then another move up, um, I start to see when I look at floors every day, I actually look at them as charts in my head. I'm like, okay, well, that's run up um, to 10 ETH, come back down to five and found some consolidation at six, seven. And then now we're going to go up for the, ne- the next leg up. So moving to like mo- moving some of that chart analysis or gaining some chart analysis by just watching um, tiers on YouTube um, is a huge help where, for me when looking at NFT projects. It's a, it's a combination of, you know, volume metrics, community, um, and just sort of making sure you can find that community that feels genuine. I always refer back to Cool Cats because that's how I fell into the NFT space and made most of my friends. Um, but, you know, the Cool Cats had, had the vibe from day one. You know, it was like everyone was happy to be there. There was less like, what's going? hey, guys, what's going on with the floor? Hey, what's going on with this? You know, it was that th- there's been an advent of just a crazy amount of moon boys girls you know whatever in in the in the beginning of this year that has sort of left us all a little bit dislocated as to how we pick projects but as long as you're invested in something that makes you happy um invested in something that you have friends that are also part of invested in maybe a one-on-one artist um like emotional who's in the audience there you know or someone who like it's you have to create that emotional side with art if you're going to remove the monetary value of the NFT and add the emotional value, because um, that's all anyone's trying to do. You know, people buy Vinny's work because he is an approachable artist who's very talented and you can come and meet him in real life and create that storytelling uh, part of things. You know, people buy art because they want to be able to tell the story to people. And if that art, if you pay $5,000 for that art, but you've also met Vinny in real life and he's drawn on your hat and, you know, he's, 
spoken to you for 20 minutes or you talk to them in the discord or you know all these other things you're then removing that monetary value that you spent on that and adding an emotional connection that means way more and they're far less likely to sell that or far less likely to you know to drop it because the story means to i went on a bit of a ramble but you get what i'm trying to say i think no no we we love it and sentimental value can be priceless at, at, at many times uh, I do want to go back a little bit and talk about uh, volume. And then you, you made a great point there and, and looking at things, looking at NFT projects and making your own charts basically from it, which is, you know, similar to any other kind of asset, whether it's crypto or stocks, that is fantastic. I never even considered that. Um, and also looking at uh, and studying different theories, whether it's Wyckoff or uh, Elliott wave theory or something like that. Uh, to kind of gain perspective on the value of of given NFT project. Uh, my question to you is that you talked about volume metrics. What kind of volume are you looking for when a when an NFT project mints? And are you looking for steady volume? Is it does it spike from day to day? Is it really volatile uh, or minute by minute? Or or is it something? That, are you looking for something more steady or more vol- volatile? Even though it may be great volume, is that where you would look for? Uh, something that may be really valuable in the future. Yeah, I think I'm more looking for like sustained volume, and then the higher the volume is, is 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 just a higher under a higher metric to me that says that you know this is something that has a lot further to go. Um, you know, volume is is a direct representation of all the output that you're putting out for the project you know whether that's uh, marketing or interest or um you know twitter or anything else like that it all directly correlates to volume and it's it's hard to say depending on what the project is but i'll you know using like azuki as an example that project had 90,000 eth in volume in the first month which was you know at the time uh you know, almost a quarter of what Board Apes had done in a whole year. And that to me is a glaringly obvious sign that there is an awful lot of trading going on inside of that project, you know, and, and that if it's sustained for that long over a month long period and it continues to build and build and build, then there has to be a consultant point where the price spikes upwards. Um, it's, it, it, it's, it's not so much a, a practice that's very easy to follow is it is just something that you have to continually look at and see the good and the bad and then put it together in sort of a mean medium mode way to be like ah yes i think that this is a safer bet you know on the higher end of things one of the things i do want to now dive into is when we talk about the projects and and danny asked how do you know which projects to look at and and you've talked about the way we can find out different projects and, and think about them Let's talk about two of the projects you're intimately involved in. Obviously, we know um, we started like with the vibes at Cool Cats, right? And that's really a good starting place. But you obviously co-founded and are a part of uh, Vinny's uh, Letters Project. And I see Vinny here right now. Uh, big shout out to, to Vinny and uh, we love Chainlink. Um, but also, obviously, Weather Report and, uh, and with Will. And so both of those friends, uh, friendships, I believe, came out of Cool Cats. But I'd rather kind of detail that journey on how... Not only you guys get connected, but um, you know, then come to the point where you're part of the founding project teams and then leading them because those are not just one project; that's two massive projects that you're, you know, intimately a part of. And uh, hearing from you about that is fantastic. Yeah, for sure. Um, <clears throat> Vinny and I, as as everyone everyone probably knows, met through the Cool Cats, and 
I was obsessed with his artwork and we got to meet in person and sort of built out our vision for what what Vinny wanted to 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 present to the world and and through through growing uh with Vinny and 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 the letters project you know I I found my tribe and and, and a lot of my friends and uh, the more IRL events that you go to especially NFT wise you end up uh sitting down in corners of the and chatting about ways that you want to uh change the space and and move things forward and and I fell uh, into meeting Will and Zach through that way and they had an idea for a project that they wanted to bring me on to do um and you know it was super exciting uh, it's super it is super exciting it's not easy by any stretch of the imagination i think that a lot of people potentially think that these projects just sort of spring up overnight um and they don't take a lot of time effort or whatever you just get an artist together and a dev and, and that's you but it's really not that at all it takes an awful lot of mental capacity uh to wake up live and breathe it every day yes the payoff is high of course um but it doesn't come at a, at a cost to your own health in, in a lot of ways um and especially you know when you deal with at one point having one of the biggest projects in 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 the space to very quickly not having one of the big, biggest projects in the space and then how you move uh to continue to build something now that the wind is potentially taken out of your sails and that's something that has been a huge interesting way to move because it's never never a position i thought i would uh you 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 don't necessarily think that that's something that you're going to be uh a challenge you're going to have to face um but it's it's proved one of fun challenges really at the end of the day because you are what i'm an effort that goes on behind the scenes uh for these projects uh that i work on and the love that goes into it and to want to deliver for the people who have invested in uh, a project that you've created and it's something that I don't take lightly I, I wear as many people know who follow me I wear my heart on my sleeve uh, oftentimes to my own detriment um, and you know having to go through the ups and downs is is just part of this space and thinking that everything is all up only is uh, you know definitely a fallacy uh, and so yeah, it's it's been it's been an amazing amazing time in, in in the sort of year that I've been active in the NFT space uh, openly as myself, um, and yeah, it just comes with new challenges and, and and new ways to sort of like keep your mind agile. You know, you I, I'm never ever one to give up, and I'm not going to, especially when we have uh, you know an um, amazing things that we all want to accomplish i think that if we're going to build the world in our this new world in a new image uh, then we have to sort of love and compassion and 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 positivity and continue to change and stand up and turn up you know when when you kind of talk about um dyor because i think at the end of the day everyone says dyor do your own research and then how many people really do their own research is another question in its own right but where would you recommend, I know we recommend, you know, you recommend people come and just kind of pay attention for a month, but do you have actual um, platforms outside of, let's just say Twitter, but actual websites or are brands or companies um, that you would recommend someone get started at to, to research or to learn from outside of just kind of scrolling on Twitter, let's say? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's kind of, I, I, I get asked this question quite a bit and when you, when you've been in the space from, from, from sort of like the inception of everything, you learn all these things along the way. 
And I don't think that it's fair that other people have to learn them along the way now. So I've had to sort of go back to these resources and, and, and try and find them to uh, to help other people. And, and I, my friends, um, Binier and uh, Rod Dealer, run an amazing podcast called NFA, um, Not Financial Advice. Uh, it's um, they, they do an amazing job of getting people on to, to speak about things. They also run an entire website that... Uh, helps people uh, set up metamasks and, and, and set up their ledgers and, and, and make sure that, you know, they're avoiding common scams and red flags and stuff like that. I also uh, am quite good friends with the uh, Twitter handle at legend. He runs his own discord where he has a, I think it's through the link in his bio, actually he's verified and he has a, he has a channel in his discord. that's just completely for newbies and he's in there every single day and will answer anyone's question uh, that they have in there. And that's a really good resource, especially someone who is as, as seasoned as him taking the time out of his hit in his day to be able to just answer any and all questions of people who want sort of a come one, uh, come all thing. Uh, and I also read quite a bit of NFT now, which is a, a great new uh, news publication that's sort of been born out of Web3 that has an awful lot of amazing writers like NY Dorman and a few other people uh, who have written for GQ and on behalf of Louis Vuitton and all these other people who are there reporting uh, you know, news stories on new projects and you know uh, potential investments and how to help people. And so I would definitely recommend any three of those resources. That's a terrific uh, starting point. As, as I said, for anyone here with us live uh, in Twitter spaces, one of the beautiful things I think that we've di- you know figured out and love about doing these conversations is while they're here for you live as we do this for the community uh, on Twitter spaces, we then put this out, a podcast that goes out to a ton of individuals that are not in the kind of bubble that we live in or circumvent and hear uh, regularly on Twitter. And so there's so many Web2 people that are slowly getting involved. And by hearing these conversations, it can be very helpful. And some of those outlets that you talked about um, from Beignet and Rug Dealer with NFA to, to Legend um, are, are really good starting points that I appreciate you sharing with us. So just a quick, I guess a quick one here. Um, I know you talked about kind of removing all your social media and then kind of coming back to it. But if you were not on Twitter today, Toby, what social media platform would you be using and why? Damn, that's a that's a really good question. I actually, as I deleted all of my social media like three years ago, in just a, uh, in just a, like a rage, I was like, I had I was on Instagram and I was like, I don't need to see another person's baby who I went to high school with, and I don't mean that in a mean way. I just meant like a lot of my mental power was just from doom scrolling, you know. And I was like, I just needed to make sure that what I was taking in was you know facts and figures that were important to moving my life forward and not just other people doing what they're doing and and that's no disrespect to the people who live their lives on instagram because you know i know that that's that's a big thing for people but i just got to a point where i was like why is all this static in my head um when i could be reading or i could be engaging with people who have you know the same views as me um and so to go back to your original question (laughs) i don't know because i think twitter like i only have twitter and and i think that like twitter is just a really great platform to say what you want to say with the people and be connected with the people you want to be connected with i've made closer and better friends than i ever did in high school than i ever did um anywhere else that i have here you know people 
tell me I, they love me every day. I tell people I love them every day. And, you know, I'm sure that at least half of them mean it. And that's better than people looking at your Instagram post and going, eh, you know, or like someone looking at your Instagram post and feeling jealous because they're not doing the things that you're doing. I think that it just encourages the wrong kind of mentality. Um, so um, maybe I'll go with like Google Plus or like a dead platform. Wow. Google, I, I, I think that anybody had the, their money on Google Plus is surprised by their long shot winner there. I don't think that I had that, but I hear you when you talk about kind of removing yourself from uh, scrolling Instagram and some of these other social media platforms uh, in general, because a lot of times it can just be a, a really dark black hole uh, that you can fall down. And um, I mean, you can do the same thing on Twitter. Let's not get it mixed up. But I think the value that Twitter offers as a value proposition uh, platform, if you curate it correctly, is incredible. Um, so many people and their stories um, can be told from it and um, are, are inspiring. And I think many aspire to be like, uh, not just yourself, but some others. Um, one more, and then I want to take the questions from some of our guests that are requesting. I noticed you put out monthly playlists right? I've seen them. Um, they go as far back as 2017, uh, January. And so maybe just talk to us quickly for about the music, what it means to you. And I guess, are the songs each month indicating the ones that you're connecting to? Or how do you derive your, your playlist each month? Oh, mate, this is my favorite question I've ever been asked. Um, so my monthly playlists um, actually come from uh, the first time or the maybe the second time I was deployed um, in the army, I was like, I'm going to write trench poetry and I'm going to be that guy. And I'm going to bring out my, um, I'm going to bring out my like notebook and I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm going to be the next, you know, world war two trench poet. And then I went out to Iraq and I didn't write anything down at all. I was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to write or do anything. And my, um, I had my iPod classic because at the time you're, you weren't allowed to bring, you know, any sort of notebooks, oh, sorry, not notebooks, you weren't allowed to bring any sort of phones or anything. So I was using my old iPod Classic, like the black one, and just making playlists uh, every month. And I was out there for six months and I realized, I was like, oh, this is a really cathartic way for me to understand what I what I was doing that month. You know, I might not necessarily be able to write it down in words that, um, you know, I feel confident or, or burn or something because I'm too embarrassed about it the next day. I was like, okay, I've been listening to these songs this month. Let me put it in an order that maybe that flows in the correct way. Uh, and then I can come back to it uh, at a later month and remember that month because music has a amazing way of having, you know, a flesh memory um, of just bringing you back to a time and a place. And it's actually my longest commitment to anything in my entire life. Uh, I've made a playlist every single month for over five years now. And, uh, yeah, I'm quite proud of it. I literally, like maybe two months ago in February, I had a lot going on and I almost, almost, almost missed it, missed the cutoff. Um, but I got it in on the last day and it was a very poor and weak playlist, but it was, uh, I, I, and I was upset initially, but then I was like, no, that was a representation of the month that I had, you know? <laughs> and so it's, it's been, it's been, it's a real labor of love. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I, it's got a tiny cult following of about 20 people and then, Sometimes my friends will message me and be like, bro, you're three, you're three days late. Where's this next playlist? And I forget. Um, but um, yeah, it's a really nice thing that I, that helps me sort of 
calm my mind. And when I sit down at the end of the month, it sort of it gives me a huge endorphin rush when I finish it because I'm like, cool, I can sort of close the chapter on that month. That was the music that I was listening to last month. Maybe it was new music that I found. Maybe it was old music that I rediscovered and get to put it together and create something. And since I'm not an artist in the traditional sense, that's my way of creating what I can. One, I admire the consistency and the commitment. That's something I've always strived to, to try to showcase and do. And we try to do that as well as at Investorly uh, in general, because I think, you know, commitment and just consistently showing up is so important, especially when you think about that you've been doing this since already, you know, five plus years. So I would definitely recommend joining that small cult following if anybody has a chance. Uh, while you follow Toby, he puts out his uh, monthly uh, playlist, which is, you know, it's unique and I love the fact that you uh, kind of can introduce us to new uh, music and just kind of uh, consistently show up with that. Um, so, so thank you for that. I will just say uh, thank you so much for listening. It really does mean the world. And, and for real, that was super kind. Thank you. I know Danny likes to, to wrap up with a few final questions. Before we do that, I want to allow for anybody else to request to come up. But we already do have a couple uh, of people on stage to speak with us, one of them being our friend, Vinny Hager, I think, Toby, you might know him a little bit. Um, I usually say GM, but now I'll, get to, I'll just get to say, hello, Vinny. Uh, thanks for being here on A Conversation with Toby. Hello. I just uh, just stumbled on in here. You know, I found, found, this, uh, found this space, and I just wanted to see what was up. But uh, the one guy that you have on the show is uh, kind, and I wanted to come in and say I love him. And uh, that, that's all. <laughs> I miss him. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. There you go. Um, <laughs> there you go. And we learned something earlier, I think even before you were here, Vinny, about uh, uh, maybe, don't want to dox it, but uh, some love for Chainlink, which we support wholeheartedly. So um, we, we love Chainlink. <laughs> and anytime we can get more love for Chainlink on the podcast uh, for Investorly, we're always supportive of it. Can I pretty much stop everything? We'll just start talking about it. So um, thanks for being here, Vinny. Uh, always a pleasure. To, to talk to you uh, in any uh, any manner. Um, let's go to uh, Mighty Montana. Thanks for being here, Mighty Montana. Do you have a question for Toby? I do. I do. I appreciate it, Michael. I appreciate the uh, opportunity to come up and uh, just talk to you guys and also the space as a whole has been great. Um, Toby, just really quickly, um, was curious about your opinion or some advice um, on, I know that you obviously you're a part of a couple of incredible projects, um, and have a lot of experience underneath the belt. Um, but I'm curious about, uh, your kind of discourse or thoughts on the best, um, on a ways to form a team, um, or for a project. Um, my issues that I've been running into with mine is, um, just kind of knowing who to trust within the space, but also, um, you know, some advice I've gotten in the past, you know, jumping into discords, connecting with communities that, you know, you feel um, passionate about, and then, you know, kind of meeting people through connections and stuff like that. Something that I've noticed is that, you know, as I continue to form these relationships and, um, you know, real connections within different communities, um, you know, sometimes they don't, you know, work out or I'm not able to kind of find what I'm looking for um, in regards to what I'm looking for in my project. Um, and so I guess it's kind of like that opportunity cost has been, um, a little bit detrimental so far, but I'm just a little bit curious about kind of what advice you would have in regards to, you know, finding the right people, um, or just strategies to forming a, a successful team within the, uh, the space. Yeah, dude, thank you so much for the question and thanks for listening. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean the, the, 
the, the normal answer is go into your favorite community and, and talk with people and, and find people. Um, and you mentioned a, a really important factor there, which is like opportunity costs. You know, you, you talk with people and you maybe talk with them for weeks and then they drop out or they don't have exactly what you need. And they said they did have what you needed. Um, and you're like, I'm losing money here because I planned on having my project out next month or in two months time. Um, but the the real alpha hidden inside that question is that a lot of things take quite a bit more time than potentially you'd like them to and that clearly what you're doing is the correct way of going about it which is may you sound out um the right people for the job and not just because you've been talking to someone for two weeks uh, and they seem pretty pushy in dms uh you know going with that person because it just time is of the essence sort of thing um i think looking at some of your favorite projects um and then looking about and and asking around about the teams that deployed them is sometimes a good idea um we we used for for letters um we used metaseed art um the metaseed collective uh which is a-town brown and uh autopixel and they are extremely talented people and very trustworthy and they delivered the alien friends contract and uh you know about 30 other different contracts and it was like okay you might end up paying a premium to you um people like this um but inevitably that premium is worth all the peace and 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 mind uh peace of mind in the world because i know that these people are gonna do right by me and it's not like i just met this person who says that they're a dev, but they won't even get on a camera with me. And I don't necessarily know if they're just going to run a project as soon as the uh, the community world, while it gets, gets filled up. And sometimes I would rather, or probably oftentimes, if not all the time, I will always pay the premium for devs who have a, uh, you know, sound track record of delivering higher value projects. And then, you know, at the end of the day, you need to just make sure that when you're selling your project to those dev teams, you know, whether it's West Coast NFT or it's MetaSeed or whatever, that you have a project, you know, you come with a deck or something that shows them why they should pick you. And it's sort of like this weird, um, you know, in between, because you're like, I've got this amazing project and I want to release it. Um, But you also need to have a project good enough to sell to these dev teams that have credible resources, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it makes 100% sense. It's kind of like a, almost like a courtship phase. Um, exactly. Pitch, yeah, yeah, you know, I wouldn't, I, 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 wouldn't ex- I wouldn't expect to sleep with you if we hadn't been on a few dates beforehand, mate. Do you know what I mean? So you need to make sure that we're courted in the right way and it's all respectful and, you know, <laughs> it's the same thing. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Thank you, thank you so much for the response. No thank, thank you for the thank you, uh, Mighty, for the for the question. Great question, uh, and uh, got some great detail into uh, courtship. That was uh, a little additional. Uh, also, let's go to uh, Luke. Luke, thanks for being here. You have a question for Toby? GM, GM, how's it going? Great. So I joined the space, and I'm like, wow, I recognize that voice when you started to talk. So I'm glad that I found my way in here. It's an awesome space. And I wanted to ask, I think it was Toby who mentioned it, if you think that Elliott Waves can be applied to NFTs in a way that someone that's come from technical analysis and stocks and crypto can probably understand pretty simply. Dude, I I love that you asked that question. And thank you so much for listening, Luke, and and coming up and asking a question. Because when Danny said, uh, you know, we was building on on, on the chart analysis thing um, and was talking about Elliott Wave theory and Wyckoff distribution, it's something that 
I'm like fascinated with. I mean, you look at the way that um, we're seeing huge ABC waves um, happening with Ethereum, and, and you know we're hopefully on our on on that final uh, euphoria wave for Ethereum if we can break um, certain certain barriers to get there. Um, I think 100%, and I think that potentially this is like, um, and and maybe someone has already made this this tool or not, but like looking at something like Dune Analytics is a really good way to 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 understand charting with NFTs. Um, because I come from from the same background, you know, I, I've been looking at, um, you know, candlesticks and, and charts before I even got into NFTs. And so looking at NFTs like charts in my mind helps a lot. Um, but I, I mean, I think it remains to be seen because the space hasn't been around necessarily long enough. And maybe there's sometimes some external factors that they can break distribution methods like that. But it's a token nonetheless, you know, and, and these it would stand to, to reason that all of these distribution patterns would play out in the same way. Um, certainly just very basic TA helps me with right entry points for, uh, for NFTs and stuff. I would definitely check out Dune Analytics as well. That's a, a huge resource and help. I'll check out Dune Analytics. Um, if you so happen to do this and you remember and you DM me what you think or post it, I followed you. I've been looking at Alien Friends, Mori's, and Little Lemons. Their charts just on OpenSea. So it's just a basic chart that mostly represents volume and average price. But it looks like they're just in a, like, Little Lemons kind of looks like a bull flag. And the other two just look like long periods of consolidation. And I'm like, oh, boy, if it breaks that downtrend. Well, thank, thank you, Luke, for the analysis additionally there on those three projects. No, not, not analysis. Just, like, what <laughs> the way that I'm looking at it based on what I've charts. I'm like, ooh. For sure. Obviously, not all downtrends break, you know, or they don't break at tomorrow. But when they do break yeah i mean you you also like like i mean it's it, you 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 said exactly what i was gonna what i was gonna say as well which is like a lot some of these projects you know may just be in a permanent downtrend rather than a consolidation um and so definitely tapping in with those like communities at their core whether that's going to discord and like getting a whole rounded picture of where it's going and maybe you know like alien friends is in a period of consolidation um, but they have some announcements they're going to make in two or three weeks time you can sort of like read in between the lines and be like okay that's a period of consolidation where people have been trading up and down for you know a month or so um, and with that announcement it should pop one way or the other uh, it's de definitely getting the full picture appreciate you luke for being here thank you so much and of course uh if anybody wants to check out more analytics dune is a great place another uh, of the different uh sites and potential places you can learn more information from i love the idea of just thinking about technical analysis alongside other types of analysis as someone that has a financial degree went to school for it worked on wall street i've always believed in not being uh, dead set on any form of analysis, whether fundamental or technical, kind of pairing the two and merging them uh, to, to determine kind of an analysis overall. So um, the more you know, the better prepared you can be. So I appreciate you bringing that to the table, Luke. Let's go uh, to Josiah. And if anybody else, uh, we'll take a couple more. If anybody else wants to request, by all means, last minute, um, you can request. Let's go to Josiah now, though. Uh, thanks for being here, Josiah. Do you have a question for Toby? Yeah, thanks so much, Danny and Michael, for uh, hosting the space. To I wanted to say, Toby, I'm also 27, and Google Plus was actually the first social media platform that I subscribed to. So I had all but forgotten it until you brought it up. So hilarious throwback. I appreciate it. Um, 
Yeah, my question, I, I feel like there's been a lot of, you know, drama and shakeup in the NFT community more, more recently. So, you know, I, I wanted to pick your brain as someone who has, you know, the experience that you've had. But if you could identify maybe two to three common pitfalls um, that you see maybe creators or founders, you know, kind of starting off could fall into just something to be wary of and cautionary about um, for people new coming to this space, people looking to start new projects. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for Sarah and listening. I really appreciate it. Um, I will have to give the Google plus thing credit to, to Danny Cole, who I was hanging out with last week, who was like, um, he, he, he was like, Oh no, you know what? Fuck this. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna release all my stuff for us. And we all had a good laugh at, at the, at that joke. So I'm going to continue, continue, um, uh, trying to bring Google Boss back from the dead, um, but onto your question, um, there's there's a few like uh, very easy pitfalls I think that new creators can fall into, and I think that like trying to derive community through retweet contests or um, you know like Discord uh, sort of Discord contest stuff like that, you know like hey like retweet this tag three friends, you know like we've seen that fail time and time and time again because what you're doing is you're creating uh you you're not you're not delivering real human beings to uh those communities you want people you know and sometimes the the ride up may be slower um and it may be you know less abrupt but having 20,000 people in the discord overnight because people are trying to get in there with bots or they're trying to win raffles or or you know whatever it is and that's not to you know discredit raffles and discords because those are great but you know this this idea of you know my discord needs to be this many followers my twitter needs to have this many followers i would much rather create a project that has two thousand three thousand followers but every single person who is following that project loves it cares for it retweets it enjoys it interacts with it loves the art you know because that is what equates to value uh and sometimes you know a lot of these big projects that turn up overnight and they've got 200 300,000 450,000 followers it's oftentimes to their own detriment a mechaverse drop look at the hape drop look at um you know the these these projects that just get overpowered like squiggles you know ended up being a a rug over everything else because they just bought all their followers i think that sometimes perception can be warped because people see big numbers see lots of engagement and they go that's where i need to put my money obviously um, and that's not necessarily true. And oftentimes it's pretty much not true. Looking at metrics like volume on OpenSea is a good metric because it's um, something that is tangible. You know, it's an adequate amount of money that's gone through a project that has been recorded and, and stapled on the blockchain. Twitter followers is not a, pro- a metric that we can, uh, uh, you know, we can we can really look at better than others because people can buy followers people can buy verified accounts people can retweet to death you know and people have four or five different alt accounts that they're retweeting to win something on um so really the underpinning of of this this very long ramble is trying to connect through especially if you're a young artist or a new artist in the space getting on spaces is is just absolutely massive you know even if it's just to hang out with people and talk and then maybe someone will ask you about your pfp and you'll be like oh i drew it you know, um, that creates a real in-life connection that other people can connect to and people will go and follow you. They want to hear your voice. They want to hear why you're why you're doing what you're doing and, and how you want to change the world or how you want to change your world. 
Um, and that doesn't come from retweeting and tagging three friends. That comes from creating one by one individual connections with people who are going to end up spending their hard-earned money on your project. And it seems like a long, drawn-out process, but I promise you it snowballs when you do it right and you build the foundation the right way. Awesome. Thank you so much for your insights. I, I have a short follow-up question just because you, you mentioned Discord. Personal thoughts. Do you think we're going to see a downward trend of its popularity in terms of how projects utilize it as the hub for community? Uh, you know, talking about all the recent technological exploits, do you think there might be a shift to somewhere else? I think it's inevitable, if I'm being completely honest. I think that Discord is is fantastic for so many things, but it, it also opens so many new investors up to losing their money, being scammed. Um, it, it, it can't be policed in the way that is needed for the Web3 space. And I may be a tiny bit biased because um, one of my close friends, Satvik, is, is working on a Discord killer. It's called Circle. Um, and it's, uh, and I'm very excited for it, but I think that every single one of us who've been here longer than a few months, um, realize that there's a express need either to fix discord extremely quickly, which I very much doubt is going to happen. Um, or, you know, create a new platform where we can properly integrate NFTs, reduce scams because discord was never made in the image of NFTs. It was made so that people could come and talk to each other about whatever it is they wanted to, whether that's surfing or Pokemon or Chance the Rapper, you know, all these different discords existed before um, NFTs did. And it just doesn't meld with what we're trying to do or where we want to go because I feel like too many people lose too much money. Uh, and that's not what we're about here. So um, I have high hopes for the future. And, and I know that some of the most intelligent people in the space, if not the world, are on on the case to fix that. Discord killer is an intense tagline. Thank you so much, Toby, Danny, and Michael. Well, thank you, Josiah. Two fantastic questions, uh, not just the first one, but the follow-up. And an amazing uh, you know, information provided from Toby. All, uh, all conversation, really. I mean, there's so much that you can take from this. I'm so excited for everyone that gets to listen to this. is really new to the space and learning about it and just kind of tying it all together. I know, and I know Toby knows, and, and many in the audience know that there are projects coming uh, to market soon that are not even going to use uh, Discord. Um, but as always, uh, do your own research. And if you are using Discord, be extremely cautious. Don't click any links. Watch your DMs. It is prime for uh, scams. Even if you are someone that's been in the space for a while, it can be challenging. So exciting to hear about the the potential for uh, a new Discord killer, um, maybe from Toby's friend. Um, so I will take from the audience for now. I want to let Danny just finish us up here because this has been a, a really riveting conversation uh, from the start. Danny, I know you like to give some quick hitters. Are you ready? Oh, I'm absolutely ready. Toby, are you ready? Uh, I'm as ready as I'll any. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Right before I say that, I have two things. One, I think, uh, Mike, we need to, to get an RSI, our uh, relative strength indicator for NFTs. I think you'd highly appreciate that. And I don't know if Vinny is still in here, but he probably has a statue bust of Sergei Nazarov somewhere <laughs> in his house. So I just, just wanted to polish it off with that. But on to rapid fire. Toby, is there one thing you do in your daily routine that has contributed to your success? Damn, that is a quick fire question. Um, I like. I'm trying. I'm trying to think. I, I I don't think there is there is a is a clear answer for me personally. There, I think that like my answer would just be like tapping in 
with my friends um and you know like I, i'm very lucky to um be married to a fantastic woman who is um you know tease who i met in nfts and so I, I get to bounce ideas off her all the time um and also just like tapping in with my friends you know over text message like i see ali in here and you know uh emotional and and you know a lot of a lot of amazing people who i get to talk to on a daily basis you know they reach out to me and they say you know how's it going what's going on with this you know and i try and do the same as much as i can uh trying to trying to stay grounded you know with, with a close circle of friends i know that everyone here has the communities they're a part of and they have their very close friends in nfts and those people are the people you need to hold as tight as possible um because when their space gets murky and when their space gets crazy which it seems to do every other day um you know you need to have you need to not be lost in the doom scroll of twitter and you need to be able to call those people on the phone or facetime them or talk to them about something else um and yeah, just, just keeping those friends as close as possible is, is super important because at the end of the day, they're the ones who are going to call you out feeling crazy. They're the ones who are going to keep you in check. They're the ones who are going to look after you and protect you and go to bat for you when the chips are down. Uh, so just hold those friends tight. I love it. Pure accountability. Uh, I'm going to put you straight in the corner right now. What's your absolute favorite NFT that you own? Great question. Um, my favorite NFT that I own like I think hands down is uh, my letter that I did. Uh, and that's not for any specific reason other than it was the first project I was ever in a part of building. And therefore the first thing that I ever minted that I created helped create. Um, and so it holds an extreme amount of sentimental value for me. Um, but, um, you know, I, it's, it's almost an impossible question because I'm so emotionally attached to you know, that's on my weather reports and the ones that I minted there, you know. Um, but if I had to had to choose one, it would be the first one because it was the birth of a whole new life for me and something that I will hang up on my wall and never forget, you know, and birth of a beautiful friendship as well. Yeah, it seems that uh, it's kind of like your very first car when you first get your license. I, I completely understand. Uh, next question for you. Uh, what was your ranking in the British Army? Great question. Um, I left as a cat, um, but I drive it soldier. Next question for you. Who would like, who would you like to be your mentor, if anyone? Dang, that's a good question. Um, can I say someone who's dead? Is that, is that allowed? Yeah, living or dead. That's totally fine. Okay, I'll, I'll go with David Bowie all day long, mainly just because David Bowie is arguably one of the most talented musicians to ever exist. Um, he also did something that I truly believe is almost one of a kind, which is he managed to transcend genre to critical, to critical acclaim on like four or five different occasions. He went from being, you know, a ballad singer to being a pop singer to being, um, you know, an R&B singer. He even dabbled in reggae and, you know, and then on his deathbed, uh, he released an album. No one knew he was about to die. He released Black Star a week before he, he he died, and everyone was like, "This is so beautiful and morose." And then he died a week later from cancer that he knew he was going to die, and it was like his final art piece. So if if there's anyone who I'd want to not necessarily emulate, but would want some sort of guidance on how to move through this crazy world, I will always look back at, at Bowie for that. You know, I watched a documentary a couple of months ago of a, a very famous pro, uh, music producer, and he said the only artist he ever worked with, because he, he worked primarily with uh, Whitney Houston, and he wrote a bunch of songs for her, 
He said, the only artist I ever worked with that had perfect pitch all the time was David Bowie, and he's worked with hundreds of them. So that definitely says something. And I mean, and, and he smoked like 20 cigarettes a day for 25 years. So what is that? He's superhuman, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Next question. What's, what's your go-to uh, drink at the end of a long week? Great question. Um, I'm going to have to go with uh, a gin and tonic, um, and I will specify that even further and say um, Monkey 47 Gin, which is this like amazing gin that comes from uh, Germany, uh, the forest in Germany. It's like juniper berry uh, and then some good old slimline tonic. Uh, I think that might be potentially the most British thing about me, but there's just nothing like it really. What about you? I love it. It's a, it's like such, you're such a gin snob. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> it made me say it made me seem like a right uh, a right piece of work there, but I promise you, I'm I'm not too much of a gin snob. No, what I love it. Well, you you got to be Dan- snobby with a few things, I guess. Danny, Danny, you heard he flipped it on you right there. So we need to hear from you. I know. I had to finish my thought there. I I love a spicy margarita. <laughs> Damn it. You know what? Living in LA for the last two years, I have really come to understand the beauty of a spicy marg. It is a wave. I appreciate it. <laughs> I completely understand. Yeah, I've grown to love it here. I live in Los Angeles. Um, my last question to you: uh, in real life concert or uh, in real life conference, which one are you looking forward to most this year? Um, yeah, I think it's got to be NFT NYC, and I know that that's the next one up on the docket. But um, NFT NYC was huge for uh, Vinny and I last year because we released Letters Collection two days before we flew to New York. Um, and that maybe it was because it was my first in real life conference, but there's just something about the city of New York um, and, you know, just the energy that it brings there. You know, we, we had so much fun going all over the place. Um, also just like underpinned by a fantastic uh, public transport system, which LA can't say so much. Um, I think that, you know, this year is going to be a super exciting one because last year it was an immense amount of NFT people in one and think that, you know, being that much closer to Europe uh, and the rest of the world and not this year, I think that we're going to see the NFT community truly descend on, on that city. Um, and I'm a little bit scared, but also very excited for that. Wow. Well, you are uh, 100% right. I think this year's NFT NYC is going to be even much larger than last year's, which was amazing, which, by the way, I was able to get an amazing uh, picture of one crypto Ted Lasso, formerly the name, uh, the amazing jacket, which uh, in my mind is something that I'll never forget. Um, do you wear that jacket still? Yeah, absolutely. It's actually currently um, being reworked by um, the imitable uh, Jeech NFT Kwan's wife who who made it for me. She's changing the Ted uh, to Toby on the back of it so that I can wear it with pure pride I, I i do really it's my favorite piece of clothing i said it at the start bury me in that jacket i'm i'm, I'm not gonna uh, I'm, i don't i mean i will say it but i am pretty sure that i started the sewing uh, nfts on the back of a jean jacket trend we'd like to thank toby lasso and the community for a great conversation stay informed of upcoming episodes receive our valuable weekly newsletter and learn to earn by subscribing at investorly.substack.com.